Romans chapter 5 this morning. I'm going to be very brief this morning. I, I want to get out of the Lord's way today. But in light of what's happened here this morning, the Spirit of God and all the things that have been said, I believe this is where we need to be because, uh, listen, even, even in this midnight hour of time in which we live, there's still hope. Amen? There's still hope. There's hope for the one that's lost this morning. If you're sitting here this morning, never been saved, there's hope for you. Amen. Amen. I can tell you that because I'm still standing here. Listen, if I'm gone and the rest of the saved folks are gone, there's no hope for you. Amen? You ain't getting in after the rapture. You're not getting out after he comes back to get us. Amen? If you've heard the gospel, you're not getting in. Amen? I'm glad, though, that if you accept him in this midnight hour of time, I'm glad God's still saving sinners in the midnight hour of time. Uh, you're still, there's still hope for you. There's still hope for the, the Christian that is backslid on God. Uh, there's still hope for you. You can still turn it around with the Lord's help and start serving and loving Him the way you ought to. Amen? Uh, listen, not a one of you in here is super spiritual, including me. Listen, we all make mistakes. We all do things we're not, we're not proud of. Not going to brag on sin. We're not going to brag on those things. But listen, listen, there's still hope for the, for the saint that wants to get right with God. Amen. Amen. Romans chapter 5, let's all stand. I'll read the first six verses, and I'm going to give you the message really quickly. The Lord uh, laid on my heart. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand. Isn't it good to have access to grace? Amen. And rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. Verse number 5, And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I want to thank you for the reading of your blessed word this morning. God, we need your help, God. Appreciate the presence of God we felt already. But I pray, God, this morning in the preaching hour, I pray, Lord, if someone here is lost and undone without you, I pray that you convict their heart. Let them know, uh, Lord, that they might think that there's no hope. Their parents might think there's no hope. But we understand that as long as you're still saving, there's still hope. And I love you and I thank you for what you're going to do. Help us for just a little while, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, this morning, there's some things that I can't explain. I can't explain... Uh, what we felt during the choir singing. I can't explain uh, the Spirit of God. I can't explain how He moves in amongst us. I can't explain what He does uh, because I'm not God this morning. But I do know this. Listen, I know that He loves me. Amen. And I know that He's here. Amen. Because I recognize who He is. Amen. Because I'm saved and I've, and I've got the Holy Spirit living on the inside of me. I can recognize when He shows up. I know the difference. Amen. If you're saved this morning, you know the difference. I can't explain this morning the love of God. I just understand that He loves me. I can't explain the grace of God. Amen. I just know it's available. Amen. I can't explain the mercy of God. You know what mercy is? Mercy, listen, grace this morning is you getting what you don't deserve. Mercy is you not getting what you do deserve. Amen. It takes both. It's grace and mercy. Listen, we're going to heaven this morning not because of what we are, but because of who He is and what He did for us. Amen? He didn't have to save me this morning. I'm glad He did. I don't understand. I, don't, I, don't, I can't explain uh, the mercy of God. I'm just glad it's there. I can't explain why Jesus would die for me. I just know that He did. 
I just know that He did. And I can't explain how that the blood of Jesus covered all my sin. But the Bible says that it did. Amen. Uh, I remember a story of a lady who had come to revival and uh, the preacher had preached and talked about the blood of Jesus covering all sin, uh, past, present, and future. And she came up to the preacher afterwards and she said, Preacher, I understand how, how the blood of Jesus can, uh, can, can, can cover my present sin that I'm living in. I can understand how the blood of Jesus can cover my future sin uh, or my past sin. But I can't understand how the blood of Jesus can, can cover sins that I haven't even committed yet. And he said, he said ma'am, I don't mean any disrespect to you uh, today. She said, but when Jesus died, all your sins were future. Uh, listen, when Christ died 2,000 years ago, you, none of y'all was born, I wasn't born, uh, we wasn't even a thought. But listen, God knew us already. Amen. And that's what's, that's what's uh, that I can't understand, or I can't explain why, how that God knew me before I knew me, or anybody else knew me, and, and, and knew how I'd be, and knew what I'd be, and knew what I'd, the things I'd say, and the, and the way I'd live. But yet, even knowing me, Brother Danny, He still sent the Lord Jesus Christ to die uh, for my rotten soul today. Amen. I thank the Lord. Uh, I can't explain in salvation, but I just know I've got it today. Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again. Jesus said in Matthew 7 uh, that we must enter in at the straight gate. That's what he said. And uh, he said, I'll, listen, he said, I, I wonder, listen this, this morning, think about this thought this morning. I wonder when the Lord comes back, if he comes, he said he'd come as a thief in the night. I wonder if that, Brother Danny, I, I wonder if that night will be a Saturday night. I wonder how many churches will operate business as usual the night after the Lord comes back. I wonder how many church parking lots will be full to capacity, and lost preachers will preach to lost congregations messages that have, that have no hope. After the Lord's already came back. I'm glad this morning that when the Lord does descend and He does call His children home, I'm going with Him. Amen. I, I listen, I, I'm not going to stay around uh, to see what's going to happen. Listen, I've read the back of the book. I know a little bit about, about what might happen. But listen... I have not seen nor ear heard, neither has it entered in the heart of man what's going to go on up in heaven. Amen. What He's prepared for us. Amen. I appreciate what God's done for me. And I'm going to tell you this morning, I'm not going to preach very long this morning, I'm going to tell you, whatever you think you have, it better be real. There's a lot of folks that sit on church pews that think they've got what it takes. Well, if I read my Bible correctly, listen, there's going to be a multitude, a multitude, Many will say to me in that day, what day is that? That's the day of judgment. Many will say to me in that day, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name cast out, uh, cast out devils, and in thy name done many mighty wonderful works, in thy name. And Jesus Christ himself will say, depart from me, ye that work iniquity, I never knew you. Not that I once knew you and forgot who you were. No, I never, not ever knew you. And there'll be people, church, brother Danny, but church people, church members that will stand before God and say, and, and, and stand before the Lord Jesus and say, Have we not done all these things? In thy name, in thy name, Lord, we preach sermons, we've taught Sunday school lessons, we've prayed over the sick, we've done all these things, and we did it in Jesus' name. And he'll say, Depart from me, I never knew you. Whatever you think that you have this morning, it better be real.
You know, it's not a shame to be lost. It's a shame to stay that way once you know that you are. Listen, the Holy Ghost of God will let you know which side of the fence you're on. Amen? Listen, if you're on the wrong side of the fence, you better jump over real quick, and you're going to have to have the Lord's help to jump over that fence. Amen. Listen, I've seen people get saved out of the choir loft. Matter of fact, there's a couple that came this morning. Uh, Miss Marie's daughter got saved out of the choir. Our piano player, the church I used to pastor, our piano player, while we was having an invitation, all of a sudden I'm down praying with somebody, she, the music stops. She stopped playing the piano. She knelt down at the, at, at the bench behind the piano and got saved while she was playing the piano. Listen, it's, it's of utmost importance this morning that you know, that you know, that you know, you've been born again. Amen. My little girl Ellie, she got saved in the bathtub. What about that? Amen. She got clean twice. Amen. God's good to us. This morning, real quick, I'm going to mention four things today. I'm going to mention four instances where God, where the Lord Jesus did the miraculous. He did something that could not have been done in any other way. He did something that He, he alone could have done. Four miracles this morning. The first one is Mark chapter 5. You don't have to turn there. I'm just going to mention it really quickly. You should know uh, where I'm talking. Mark chapter 5, you have someone that's at the point of death. And then in Luke chapter 7, you have somebody who's being carried in the casket. In John chapter 11, you know that chapter, that's the chapter for Lazarus. You find someone who's already dead in the grave. And then you find in John chapter 9, you find someone who's waiting to die. And I'm going to preach on the one in John chapter 9, but real quickly, I'm going to give you these other three. Listen, we put our hope this morning in many things, don't we? Put our hope and trust in a lot of things. I trust that tomorrow morning when I wake up and go to work, that when I put the key in the ignition of my truck and I turn it, listen, it's going to crank. I put my trust in that. I put my trust that I've got enough money in the bank to put gas in that vehicle, feed my family, amen? But listen, a lot of times we put our hope and trust in the wrong things, don't we? We put our hope and trust in men, in people. And I'm going to tell you something. Uh, Don't put your hope and trust in people very much because sooner or later you're going to get let down. If you put your hope and trust in me, sooner or later, I won't try to, and I'm not going to say that I would, but listen, sooner or later, I'll do something, say something, that will, listen, that will hurt your feelings, that will let you down. Amen? If I put my trust in some of y'all, sooner or later, it's going to happen, you're going to say something that might offend me, that might, that might hurt my feelings, might discourage me, I'm going to call one of you, I need help on doing something, you're not going to be able to do it, it's going to let me down. You know why? Because we're human beings. You know why? Because we're fallible. There are things wrong with us. We're faulty. Amen? There are things that, though you might not admit it this morning or want to admit it in the crowd, there's things that are wrong with you. Amen? There's things that's wrong with me. There's things that, listen, uh, that only I know is wrong with me. Amen? I look in the mirror and I see things on my face. I see... You know, Brother Clifford used to always say when he woke up in the morning, he'd look in the mirror and he'd slap himself and say, you, you good-looking thing, don't you ever die. I've never said that. Because when I look in the mirror, I don't see a good-looking thing. I see, I see all kind of blemishes and marks. I see what the world's done to me. Amen? How many of you, when you look in the mirror, you, don't see, you see more than the physical appearance? You see who you are. How many of you, when you walk away from your house, you forget what manner of man you are? We do. We look in that mirror and God tells us and lets us know if we're His, amen, 
if you're his, you look in that mirror, whether it be the glass type or this type. He'll tell you exactly who you are. He'll tell you exactly where you, where you made that wrong turn. He'll tell you exactly where you went wrong. How many of us close that Bible and say, I forget what manner of man I am. God, I don't want you to remind me who I am. Listen, that's what we need, though. We need God to remind us who we are. Because, listen, the only reason why He does that is because He wants you back close fellowship with Him. Listen, God is a God, not, not He's a God of judgment of wrath, but understand that. He's a God of love and of fellowship. He wants, with His children, He wants fellowship. And I'm talking about a close-knit fellowship. Amen? It's not more, it's more, Brother Danny, it's more than an acquaintance this morning. Amen? Your, your fellowship with God ought to be a close-knit fellowship. Listen, uh, listen, talk to Him just like He's your Father, because He is. Amen. You don't call, listen, you don't call your daddy and say, Almost righteous heavenly father. You say, you say, Daddy, I just want to call and tell you I love you. I ain't talked to you today. Daddy, I just want to tell you I love you. My dad, very sick. He's got emphysema. He carries oxygen with him all the time. He, any day he could die. Can't breathe. And he'll tell you that's because of his, it's his fault and the way he lived and smoked and all the things that he did. And he realizes that, that you know, there's no turning back now. Unless God intervenes, that he, my dad's going to die of emphysema. And I try to call him once, twice a day. And I call him on the way home. And I pass by on the road. I'll see the house over there. I'll call him. I'll say, Daddy, is there anything I can do for you? I just want to tell you that I love you. And for a long time, Brother Daddy, my dad... He was one of those, he just, just didn't really tell you that he loved you very much. Didn't mean he didn't love me. He was just a man, you know, you know, he just didn't do that, he just don't say that. But God changed my dad's life several years ago. And I can tell you, when I tell him, there'll be times he'll call me, what are you doing? I said, I'm working, what are you doing? He said, I just want to call and tell you I love you. Never happened. Only God could change a heart like that. Amen. Listen, talking about your heavenly Father, when's the last time that you just told Him that you loved Him? Amen. Talking about hope this morning, I'm going to hurry. You find in Mark chapter 5, you find one that's at the point of death. One that's at the point of death. Destined for the grave. That's Jairus' daughter. You don't have to turn there. Jairus' daughter. You know, the, you know the story. Jairus came looking for Jesus. You find a father who went to Jesus. He went because why? He went because, as far as he knew, his daughter was still alive. And so, in his mind, there was still hope. If Jesus can get to my daughter, she's still living, as far as I know. If I can get to Jesus and get Jesus to her in, a, in the right amount of time before she dies, there's still hope for her. He can, I know he can touch her and heal her for whatever manner of sickness that she has. They didn't know what was wrong with her. Uh, they just knew that she was very sick, and he went to, he went to Jesus because he, he thought there was still hope. Amen? How many of you in your prayer life, or in your individual Christian life, you've got situations, and you know that God can do something about it. You know there's some shred of hope, and so you go and you pray about it. Lord, I need you to help me with this. Lord, I need you to intervene. Lord, I need you to save so-and-so. Lord, I need you to help our church. Lord, I need you to help our preacher. Lord, I need you to do whatever it might be. And you do that because you think there's still hope. 
We're all human beings here. I told you that a while ago. We're all human beings. We do things because we think there's still hope. We think there's, there, there's, there's some outside possibility, possibility that God can do something to change our situation. There's still hope. That's why Jairus, Jairus went to Jesus because he thought there was still hope. In his limited view, there was because as far as he knew, she was still living. If I can find Jesus and get him to her, I, he can touch her, she'll be healed and everything will be good. There's still hope. You find a father who went Secondly, in Luke chapter 7, you find one who's being delivered to the grave. In, the first, in Mark chapter 5, there was one destined for the grave. This one's being delivered to the grave. He's in his casket. You know the story. In Luke chapter 7, uh, he's being carried by the pallbearers. And the widow, it's the widow's son, he's not named. But the widow's son, he's being carried. And here comes Jesus. Now listen, this widow, unlike Jairus, Jerry's had some shred of hope because he thought she was still living. But you find a mother who's weeping, and she's weeping because she thought there was no hope. Jerry's had, had a shred of hope. He saw that, thought there was still hope, so he went to Jesus. You find this mother, she's going on her way to the graveyard with her son being carried in the casket beside her. She's weeping because she, had, she thought there was no hope. He's already dead. Let me ask you a question this morning. When's the last time that you prayed for something? Listen, and God didn't show up. God didn't answer your prayer in the, in the, time, uh, uh, the time frame that you wanted Him to or in the way that you wanted Him to. Listen, let's all face it this morning. We pray, a lot of times we don't pray in, in the Lord's will, we pray in our will. What we do is we pray prayers like, God, we need you to do it this way. And if God doesn't do it that way, then we say He didn't answer our prayer. Can I tell you, God knows more than you know. God knows more what you want than you do. He knows what you need more than you do. But listen, we don't need to pray prayers uh, telling God what to do. Amen? And then when he, when he answers in a certain way, in the way that He, according to His will, we don't need to point our fingers at God and say, you didn't answer my prayer the way I wanted you to. Amen? No doubt this widow prayed for her son. No doubt this widow, listen, went to, went to God on His behalf say, my son is sick, he's going to die. She had, there was a time, and it's a, it's a progression in the Christian life, there are times in our life when there are shreds of hope. We do have hope for our sons or our daughters or our, our, our grandsons or our granddaughters or our mamas and daddies that they'll get saved. We're praying for them. We're praying, we're praying, we're praying. And God hadn't saved them yet. And what happens is our prayers begin to wane. Our, our hope begins to fade. And, we, and sooner or later, we stop praying the prayers, don't we? Sooner or later, we figure, the, the, the shred of hope that we once had turns into no hope at all. We figure, well, they, they ain't never going to come to church. They ain't never going to respond. They've heard preaching all their life. They ain't never going to get saved. We say that. Or you got a sick loved one in the, on the hospital bed, and we prayed to God, we prayed all, like that song, we prayed all night. And ain't nothing happened. Get up next morning, ain't nothing happening. Still, blood pressure still skyrocketing. And, and all the things that, that, that give us no hope. And what we do is we, we just, Brother Dan, we just stop praying. This woman right here, she's on her way to the, the graveyard because she don't have no hope. So my son's already dead, nothing can be done. You don't find her going looking for Jesus. But you do find Jesus come looking for her. I'm glad in the hours when we have lost our hope, 
listen, he is the only hope we have. And he can go looking for us. And all he did, the Bible says, if you'll read it when you get home, Luke chapter 7, all he did is say, he just touched the casket. <laughs> and the old boy raised up. <laughs> you bit, Listen, you imagine that? Walking, listen, casket right here, the preacher does the service, and they roll it out of here. And some man comes and touches that thing, and that casket opens up. Man, like, I mean, you talk about believing that Jesus is the only way, the truth, and the life. Listen, you let God do something in your life uh, that, other, that others know about and others see, they'll believe. Amen. But you see him destined for the grave, and he went to Jesus, she had been delivered to the grave, and, she, and, and she's weeping with no hope. Then number, number three, you see somebody that's dead in the grave in John 11. Not only was he carried, he was wrapped up in grave clothes, but they had already put him into the tomb. He's already there. And as a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, if you read your Bible, one of them said he's, he's, he's going, he stinks. He's been there long enough to start smelling. And that's Lazarus I'm talking about. But see, you find a sister who's wishing. She's wishing. See, Jairus went to Jesus. The old widow was weeping. But this, this sister, she's wishing. What's she wishing for? She's wishing Jesus would have come sooner. What'd she say? If you'd have been here, my brother had not died. Jesus, if you'd have been here. In other words, in other words, you can't do nothing now. You late. <laughs> Anybody ever thought, just honestly this morning, you ever thought that God was late on you? Yeah, of course you have. Whether you're honest about it or not, you have. But can I tell you this morning, God's never been late. He's always right on time. God's going to do things that's going to bring Him maximum glory. Amen. Listen, tell me this. How much would it have been if Jesus had shown up the day after that she sent for Him and He touched Lazarus and Lazarus wasn't sick no more? That would have been great. That would have, have been awesome. One of those things that would say, boy, God, Jesus touched him and he wasn't sick no more. The fever left him and all these things. And he's, he's just normal. Everything's been good since Jesus came. How much more is it that Jesus came four days later and he's already dead in the grave and says, Lazarus, come forth. Yeah. And here comes old Lazarus. Yeah. And Jesus says, Lucy, been let him go. <laughs> I like the second story better. Amen. Still the same Jesus, still the same ability, still the same power, but it's maximum glory. Amen? Give Him the glory for it. I tell you what we need to stop doing. You've been praying, and nothing's happened. I tell you what we need to stop doing. We need to stop wishing. Stop wishing that God do something. I tell you what we need to do. Instead of wishing, just keep waiting. And while you're waiting... Worship. I heard a preacher say one time, he said, what to do when you don't know what to do? Wait, watch, and worship. Just keep waiting. Just keep watching. Because he could, he could come at any moment. Amen. You could see him coming over the hill at any moment. But while you're waiting, why don't you just worship a little bit? And what is worship? That's you praising and thanking God for what He already has done.
and for what he's able to do. Amen. He's dead in the grave. You find a sister who's wishing because she lost hope. Let me tell you something. Jesus found, when he got to Mary Martha there at Lazarus at the house, he found what he finds most times in my life and probably in your life. He found that they had given up hope the moment they prayed and sent for him. Why? Because it took him four days to get there. He was fort right. He, was on, he got there in four days. What did they say? He's been dead four days. If you and, and, and they they said, Jesus, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And you're but you've taken four days, and he's already been dead four days. That tells me they gave up hope the moment they sent for him. The moment, listen, and listen, if you ain't going to, I'm going to tell you this, don't get mad at me. If you're not going to believe that God can, don't even, don't even bother asking Him. Because He can. Amen. He can do it this morning. Number four, this is what I'm going to touch on briefly this morning. I know I've said that several times. I really ain't lying. I'm not trying to. You see, number four, in John chapter five, you see someone dwelling at his grave. Turn your Bibles over to John chapter five. I hope we ain't no time limit here this morning. John chapter five. You all know this story. This is the impotent man at the pool of Bethesda. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. And in these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool, and troubled the water. Whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in, was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man was there, which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. And when Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now in a long, a long time in that case, he said to him, Wilt thou be made whole? And the impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me in the pool, but, I'm, but while I am coming, another stepped down before me. And Jesus said to him, Rise, take up thy bed. And walk, and immediately the man was made whole and took up his bed and walked. And on the same day was the Sabbath. We'll stop reading right there. You see a man who is dwelling at his grave. In other words, he's going to die where he is. He can't move from where he's at. He's been in this infirmity 38 years. He can't move enough a few feet to get into that pool when the angel troubles the water. Uh, he can't move himself. I believe he couldn't move at all. I believe it was all in his mind. He wanted to get there. He wanted to get. He saw the, the troubled water. He wanted to get there. But he couldn't do that. And there wasn't nobody there that cared enough about that man to help him into the pool. Because they was all in the same shape. Amen. Here you have a certain, you find a certain place, a certain time, and a certain man. Amen. If you're saved this morning, I believe you could stand and tell somebody about a certain time, at a certain place, and a certain man. 
Amen. I'm glad there was a certain time and a certain place and a certain man named Jesus. One time in my life, I was sitting on the back row of this church. Amen. You've heard me tell my testimony. Listen, but God got a hold of my heart at that certain time, at that certain place, and the only one that could save me was that certain man named Jesus. You find a man here who's waiting. You find a man here who's waiting. Listen, I'm glad Jesus came looking for me, ain't you? I heard a story of a little boy who had, who had built him a little boat. How many of y'all, uh, when you was little, you built a little paper boat or a little wooden boat and you, and you, uh, went, you know, let it float down the creek? Raise your hand if you ever did that. Yeah. Well, this little boy had done that. He made him a little wooden boat and he put it in the water so that it would float down the creek. Well, it got the, he got into swift water and he lost the boat. He couldn't, he couldn't catch it. It was in the woods there and he, he couldn't catch the boat and it was gone. And he was, he was so mad and so upset and discouraged. And, and a couple of months later, he was walking, walking down the street in his little town there. And he'd come by the pawn shop and he looked in the window and there was that boat. He, that was his boat. He knew it because he built it. And there was that, in that, in that, in that uh, booth right there, for sale was his boat. And so he ran inside and saw the, saw the man standing there. And he said, he said that's my boat. And the man said, son, I don't know if that's your boat or not, but if you want that boat, you're going to have to buy it. It's, for, it's a dollar. And the little boy said, I don't have no money. He said, well, you're going to have to go find some money because I, I can't give you the boat. And he said, I know you say it's yours, but somebody brought it in here and I bought it for 50 cents. I'm going to sell it to you for a dollar. He was mad. He started crying. and He ran home and he said, Mama, I need a dollar. I need a dollar. She said, what do you need a dollar for? I, 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 bought my, I, somebody, I lost my boat and... And somebody found it, now it's in the pawn shop, and he wants a dollar for it. And she felt sorry for him, and so she gave him a dollar. Thank God for Mama who feels sorry for, for little boys. I never felt sorry for me. Anyway, so he runs down to the pawn shop, and he, he grabs that boat out of the window, and he takes over there, and that's, that man said, it's, it's going to be a dollar, and he handed him the dollar, and he was so happy. <laughs> He walked out of that shop, and this is what he said. I, he's, he was talking to his little boat. He said, I made you, I lost you, I found you, and I bought you. <laughs> and that's exactly what the Lord Jesus Christ did for me. Amen. I was lost and undone, but he found me where I was, and he paid the price for me. Amen. Thank the Lord this morning. But this man's waiting. You ask the question, what's he waiting on? He's waiting on something that he hadn't been able to do in 38 years. He's waiting to be put in that water when the water is troubled. He is dwelling in the place that he's going to die. He only has one hope, and that is someone else put him in. But little did he know this morning that his hope was on the way. His hope was not going to be in any other man. His hope was going to be in Jesus. Can I tell you this morning that he was in the right place at the right time. You're lost here this morning. You don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. You, don't, you couldn't answer the question if I asked you if you knew if you died where you're sitting this morning, would you go to heaven? You can't answer that with 100% honesty. So you don't really know. Listen, you're at the right place at the right time. You're at the right place at the right time. Listen, this verse tells you, that, tells you what you get when you get saved. These verses here, when we read... You see, a certain place, as far as this scripture is concerned, that certain place was Jerusalem. You know what the, you know what the meaning of the, of the name Jerusalem, the city name Jerusalem means? It means a city of peace. Jerusalem means city 
of peace. I'm talking about a certain place, certain time, certain man. So he's in that certain place, Jerusalem, meaning city of peace. And it said, it's by the, by the sheep gate. Amen. If you think about, if you read about that sheep gate in your Bibles, that was the only way in. Amen. And listen, there, it was through that shepherd. That's where they brought all the sheep and the livestock through that sheep gate. Amen. If you're going to get saved, you're going to come through the shepherd, through the sheep gate. Amen. But he said, by the sheep market was a pool called Bethesda. Some of you might have it in the margin of your Bible. That, that, that word Bethesda means house of mercy. <laughs> and I'm getting somewhere. So you, you're in a certain place, which is the city of peace. You're going through the sheep gate, through the shepherd, and you're, you're going to the sheep market, called, and there's a pool called Bethesda. That's mercy. But how many porches did it have on it? It had five porches. Some of y'all have puzzled looks on your face. What does that mean? Well, in the Word of God, the number five is the number of grace. Number five is the number of grace. And so here's a man in a certain place, the city of peace. I'm glad God can bring peace in your life. He's at the sheep gate where the shepherd is. Listen, by the sheep market uh, where, the Bethesda, where the pool of Bethesda is, that's mercy, and he finds grace. Amen. Listen, I had no access. I had no way. I was too wicked. I was too bad. I did, I'd done too much. I'd said too much. But listen, because of the access to the grace where I stand right now, listen, I've been given eternal life through the Lord Jesus Christ. I found that grace that's only found in Him. Listen, here we are this morning as we stand, as we come with the song of invitation. Someone comes this morning. In a certain place, and the Bible says that they were, they were a multitude of impotent folk. Then it describes what they are. It says, of halt, of blind, of withered. But they were all waiting. They were all waiting on the troubling and the moving of the water. Now, water is a picture of religion. It's a picture of salvation by works. It's a picture of something that, at least in this man's, in this man's life, something that couldn't be attained, couldn't be done. But you look at these people, Brother Danny, they're all looking at the water. They're all watching the pool. And I believe that's the problem in most of our churches today. We're not looking for the Savior. We're looking at religion. Can I tell you, if you keep your eyes on Jesus... Listen, you, your, your life will be right. I didn't know I was going to do this. I need a couple of volunteers this morning. I need three, three men. It doesn't matter. Don't all jump at once. I mean, I'm serious. I need three people. Okay, all right. There you go, good. You can be here. All right, you need one more. Come on. I want you to stand right here. Face this way. All right, now I want every one of y'all to line up in front of him, just one by one, and do it. get an arm's length of one another. Just spread out to where you're all, you can barely touch each other. All right, don't move yet, okay? Just, just, touch, just barely touch his, okay, you get an arm's length. All right, okay, move a little further out. Just arm's length, just you can barely touch their back, okay? All right, now this is God right here. You're going to play God for once, all right? 
What do we do in church? We say, we tell our young people, we tell everybody, stay out, stay, keep, keep your hands off the world. Stay out of the world. Amen? In the name of religion, we say, we say just keep, don't, don't, don't smoke, don't dip, don't chew to all those things. You know, all the things that we say that's wrong, right? Just don't do those things. Stay away from the world. Stay away from dope. Amen? We do all those things. And what, what does young people do when we say that? They stay at arm's length of the world. Amen? You're the world. And you're the world. And you're the average Christian, okay? Alright? I want y'all, you to follow me. Stay where you are. You follow me. Come on, come on. You've got to stay at night. He's not listening to listen directions here. Alright? You've got to stay at arm's length. You've got to stay at arm's length. Stay at arm's length. Keep going, keep going. You gotta stay at arm's length. You gotta stay at arm's length. Now, what's the Bible say? The world is going to wax worse and worse and worse and worse until the end, isn't it? It's going to get worse and worse, and we're already seeing it. All right, y'all can stop. Now, y'all turn around. The whole time, y'all were trying to keep at arm's length from the world. The world was getting farther and farther and farther away from God because you had your focus on the wrong thing. You're looking at the world and say, I don't want to get too close. And what happens is our young people get to the very, the very edge of the line and say, how close can I get to the world? And the world goes a little far, farther into sin. I can step a little closer because I'm not in the world. I'm not doing those things. I'm not immoral. I'm not smoking dope. I ain't smoking crack. I'm not doing all these things that the world's doing. I'm, but I'm on the edge. What we've done is we've, we've told our people in the churches to, to keep their eyes on the world. Make sure you don't step into the world. Amen. You see what's happened here. Y'all went with the world, and you didn't ever get in it. I'm not calling y'all a bunch of immoral sinners. You didn't get in it because I told you to keep it arm's length. Don't touch the world. And you didn't do that. But God never moved. God never moved, and He will never move. He won't compromise. He won't go with you. If you want to go with the world, God ain't going to go with you. Amen? I know He says He'll never leave us nor forsake us. But listen, He ain't going to go along with what you're doing. Say amen right there. Y'all can sit down. I didn't know I was going to do that. That's exactly what we do. Amen? We, we've got everything backwards. If we would keep, listen, if I would keep myself and my house, we talked about that in Sunday school, if I would keep my house and myself concentrated and focused on the Lord Jesus Christ, amen? Listen, the world do what they want to do. And if I read my Bible, I understand and know that they're going to go anyway. But listen, if I kept my eyes on, if, if you had been in the world and you just kept on going, them other two would have stood, turned around and kept their eyes on God. Listen, they'd have been just as close as they were all the time. You'd have still been, you'd have been out the door by now. You'd have been at, at the highway by now. Amen. And she played something softly this morning. Jairus went to Jesus because he had no hope. And he found that Jesus cared. That widow was weeping. She found not only that Jesus cared, but she found that He comforts. And you find here that Lazarus' family found that even though that they had lost hope, that Jesus came anyway. And that He was able to call. Amen. But that old impotent man found the greatest truth of all. That even though he couldn't, he found out that Jesus could. I don't know what it is in your life, and I don't even know what time it is. We've had some folks walk out, and they sort of 
whatever reason. Had to be somewhere, I guess. But this morning, I don't know what it is in your life. I don't know whether you need to be saved. I don't know whether you've got situations in your life, sickness or some kind of health issue, whatever the issue might be. Jesus cares. Amen. And Jesus can comfort. If you've got something that's just brought you down, you're discouraged, Jesus can comfort your heart. Amen. And Jesus can call out of the grave whatever's died in your life. So as she plays or sings this morning, this altar's open. If you need to come and pray, you bring whatever that need is. Don't worry about the time. Don't worry about the hour. Listen, if you're anxious to get home this morning and you're willing to give up what God could do for you to get there, listen, listen, you're going to find out one day you should have came. You should have prayed. Yes. You should have you sought the Lord. Because, listen, you may not get another opportunity like you have right now to bring whatever the need 